Yes, Acts chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. Once safely ashore, we then learned that the island was called Malta. The local people showed us extraordinary kindness. They lit a fire and took us all in since it was raining and cold. As Paul gathered a bundle of brushwood and put it on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened itself on his hand. When the local people saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to one another, This man, no doubt, is a murderer. Even though he has escaped the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. But he shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no harm. They expected that he would begin to swell up or suddenly drop dead. After they waited a long time and saw nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. Now in the area around the place was an estate belonging to the leading man of the island named Publius, who welcomed us and entertained us hospitably for three days. Publius's father was in bed suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went to him and praying and laying his hands on him, he healed him. After this, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. So they heaped many honors on us, and when we sailed, they gave us what we needed. You may be seated this morning. As you're seated, we're going to be doing some praying this morning. I want to show you a prayer. Maybe, maybe this would, I saw this this past week, thought it was really good, wanted to share it with you as we go into our prayer time. Maybe you might want to make this your prayer this morning. It says, this is for, from of George Sweenock. He said, oh, that I may cry mightily to my God, that he would open my heart to receive the word with all affection, and that the arrow of the preacher from the quiver of scripture may hit and pierce my dearest corruptions. I wish that the weight of the word may sink so deep in my heart that it might cleanse my ways and that the noise of the world may never hinder me from hearing the voice of God. I pray that the gospel may come to me not in word only but also in power, that I may go to it with a blank sheet for any inscription or soft wax for any impression which my God shall be pleased to make upon me. Let's take a moment, let's pray right now. So let's just, time for you to pray and just prepare your heart. So you've come to church this morning, you're here. So right now we just want, we want the Holy Spirit to speak to you. So I just encourage you to pray. Just pray something like this. This Holy Spirit just open my spiritual eyes and ears. That I'd hear and see what you want me to hear and see from your word. Stir my affections for you. Remove all distractions from my heart and my mind. And I ask you to speak. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As you just, you know, Melissa just read the scripture there to us. Title this morning is Shake the Snake. Now, I think it was last year. Now, I, I had a, just a bunch of chicken snakes now at my house. The chicken snake is non-venomous. And um, this all kind of happened because the first one that I came across, I had these live mouse traps that were in our barn. For, I don't know why, but for some reason, I took one out of the barn and I put it on the back porch. 
it, it looks like this. The one that I have is, but it does, the one I have this doesn't have this clear where you can see inside of it. So I picked it up off the back porch and I thought, wow, that's kind of heavy. I must, must have some mice in it or something. So when I took it and I'm, I'm holding like this and I open it up, well, there's a snake that's all coiled up inside of it. And he'd got in there after the mice, you know, and there, there he was. So, so I got him out and, and you know, got him and, and I was holding him by the tail and I just took him out and put him over the fence and let him go. Now, I know some of y'all have got that saying, you know, the good snake's a dead snake. You know, I didn't kill the snakes. I just threw it out the side. And it's non-venomous, so I just thought, okay, no big deal. And I told, it was real docile, you know, and just threw it over the fence. Well, then, I, a few weeks later, my mother lives with us. She's kind of got her own apartment attached to our house. And she sent me a text message, and the text message had one word. It said snake. <laughs> now, my mom's terrified of snakes, so I go into her living room. She's sitting, she's sitting in her recliner, reclined up, and right under. So she's got a TV on the wall, and then she's got like this. I don't know what you call it, a piece of furniture. You know, it's got a little piece about this high off the ground, you know. And there the snake is at the very back against the wall. So I get to stick my head down there, reach in there. This snake is a, it's still a chicken, you know, it's just a small one, not very big. I've got my gloves on. I just put my face down there. It's, it's great. I love it. Just so much fun. Stick it in there. I grab this one by the head, take it out, throw it out. I don't know, maybe a week or two later, Melissa and Aston are walking out the um, back door, and then Aston starts yelling something. I can't quite make out what it is. And so I go, now this time, we've got one that's probably over five foot long, right at the back door. So I'm just going to do what I've been doing, just going to get my gloves on, and I go out there to grab this one by the tail. Well, this one reacts a little differently. He turns around to bite me, okay? No, no, it's non-venomous, okay? So he didn't bite me, but I'll tell you this much. I don't care if it's venomous or non-venomous. I don't want the snake to bite me, okay? So I just kind of shooed him off. Now, here's, here's what I want to share with you this morning. Three things I learned. Not all snakes respond the same when you pick them up. Number two, non-venomous snakes will bite you. And number three, I need to own a, and I ordered one. <laughs> Don't touch those dudes now. I just grab that thing, and this is a whole lot easier. Snakes this morning we'll be talking about. Look at this. Just th th thinking about snakes. Let's go all the way back to the very beginning, Genesis chapter 3. So the Lord said to the serpent, this is after the original sin. The serpent was the one that tempted Eve, you know. Interesting, interesting story here. And so God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity, warfare between you and the woman and between your seed and a woman doesn't have a seed. And it's capitalized because that is, this is the first mention of Jesus Christ in the Bible. Genesis chapter 3, and we've already got Jesus coming on the scene. Isn't that cool? Yes. And between you and her seed, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. The crucifixion, the ultimate victory of Jesus Christ. He has won. He is the victor. I mean, today he is reigning in glory. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He has won. Our enemy is, listen, his fangs have been yanked out. He can't shoot poison into us that are in Christ Jesus anymore. He can scare us and bite us and gum us. We don't like to get bit, but he has no power and authority anymore. Praise the Lord. 
So here we are in our story. This is we're in Acts chapter 28. Uh, next, next, next Sunday will be the day that we will wrap it up. And here we are on this trip. We just saw this past week. This is the last trip right here. Paul is going from Caesarea and he's going all the way to Rome up here. And last week, if you were here, what we saw is they were here in Fair Havens. And what they want to do is make this little bitty trip to Phoenix and go winter there. That there's, and God blew them off course, and they went on, the, they were lost at sea all the way for two weeks in a typhoon, and they land on this little bitty tiny island just about 50 miles south of Sicily called Malta. And that's where we pick up our story because it's been a shipwreck. I mean, they lost the ship. They swam. They made it to beach. 270-plus men on the ship. Every single one of them is alive because God gave Polly promise you are going to go to Rome. No one on the ship is going to die. There was a miracle of God. They all lived through that. Here they are. We, got, we, we picked that up this morning. It says, and once safely ashore. <laughs> oh, man, this right here is where you've been. Many of you, you think, thank God I survived that. I got that behind me. It's all going to be you know, blue skies and no problems from here on out. Thank God I survived that. And you get through that and you step right back into another mess. That is life. So what's safely ashore, we learned that the island was called Malta. We is speaking, Luke is the one writing this. And he said, now the local people right here in Greek, barbaros, the barbarians is what he called them. Now for us today, that has a negative connotation for it. But back in this, when this was written in the Greek-speaking world, anybody who did not speak Greek, this is bar, 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 bar to them. They're just nonsense. They, don't, they can't speak Greek, so they're all barbarians. If you weren't Greek, you were a barbarian. So he said that the, the barbarians showed us extraordinary philanthropos, philanthropy once again. We saw that last week. Just wanted you to see it again. They lit a fire and took us all in since it was raining and it's wintertime and cold. They just came out of a typhoon. It's still raining, still somewhat dark, and it's cold. And they just got out of the sea. They are exhausted for two weeks. They didn't see the sun. They didn't see the stars. That ship was going up and down for two weeks. It was a horrendous experience. They're exhausted emotionally, physically. Every way you can be exhausted. This, and here we are. We're going to build a fire. Now, let me ask you something. Is that a good thing? It's a good thing when you're cold and you need to dry out and get warm. As Paul gathered a bundle of brushwood, he's joining in. So let's think about this. How many people are building this fire? Could possibly be a few hundred, right? 270 plus men just came off the ship. Paul's one of them. He's, so and this has got a point. How many are doing this? Could be as many as two, three hundred could be doing this. They could be building several of them. We don't know. But it's not just Paul, and it's not, you know, it's, not, it's probably not just him and a few other people. Probably a lot of people. So Paul's gathering a bundle of brushwood, and he put it on the fire and a viper. So Luke is making sure that you understand that this is a venomous snake. It came out because of the heat. Now, the heat, because, you know, Probably the state, because it was cold, was probably in kind of a dormant state, okay? And then the, the fire kind of got it all stirred up. And then it says that it came out and it didn't bite him. It did more than bite him. 
This is the only time this Greek word is used in the Bible right here. Kathopto right here. What that means is to take hold of suddenly and forcibly. It was, it latched on. It was like, I mean, like the snake was hanging off his hand. <laughs> Hang on a second. No snake's going to hang on my hand. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like when that snake bite me, that, that snake that tried to bite me, like my, 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 the stuff going on inside of me, and that snake turned around and coming towards me, I was moving like lightning. I, mean, I had supernatural speed. If a snake bites me, it's not going to be hanging off my hand. Something supernatural happened inside of me, it will get off that hand quickly. It's latched on and it's hanging. I mean, like it is, it is holding there, and I mean, like it's hanging off of his hand. No, wait, wait, wait. See, here's, here's my problem. Let's just say we got 250 other men that are doing this. Okay. Of all those men, why has it got to be Paul, the one that's got to get, get bit? That's my question. Because I would think that he would be the last, because I mean, if I don't know the story, and you're saying, okay, David, you know, somebody's going to get snake bit, who do you think it's going to be? I'd be like, well, I know it's not going to be. It's not going to be Paul. Because Paul can outpray all of them. He's already written the book of Romans. So, I mean, like, not him. And maybe one of these other dudes, you know, like, you got all kinds of prisoners coming off of here. One of those dudes, one of the bad dudes, you know, but not Paul. But see, here's, here, let's just come back to the reality. It had to happen. If it's going to bite anybody, then listen, I'm, I'm fixing to speak to some of you if you'll hear what, you'll hear this. If it's going to bite anybody, it's going to bite you. Hmm? You know, there's sometimes whenever you're thinking, man, why does all, if anybody's going to get snake bit, why has it always got to be me? Why is it that whenever I look around, it seems like everything's working out for everybody else, but it never works out for me? Why is it that it seems like that every time I get hit and I get knocked down, I just get right back on my feet again just to get knocked down again? Is God mad at me? And the question, listen, the answer to your question is probably quite the opposite. See, because... Listen, I'll tell you students something. See, some of you right now, that's what you feel like your life is like. You look at, you look at other people around and you think, man, why have they got an easy life and I've got such a hard life? And, and there's something inside of you that's pulling you towards Jesus and you love God and you don't even really fully understand that, but you know it's there. And you're wondering, man, if I love God like this, then why is my life so hard? And, and, and here, listen, this is, this is something that I wish somebody would have told me when I was your age. It's like this. Someone's going to lift weights. They can lift weights to develop themselves. Somebody else can grab that same weight and throw it at that person to destroy them. The same weight that develops you can be the same weight that can destroy you. Now, the enemy wants to throw the weight at you to destroy you. But God wants to use that weight to develop you. Now, you look at this, you say, man, does, man is, 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 the, is the viper right there? I mean, is, that, is it demonized? All snakes are demonized. That's an easy answer right there. Every single one of them are. I never picked one up and thought, man, that's a godly snake right there. But here, here it is. Now, listen, so if the snake's going to bite anybody, here's my point. If the snake's going to bite anybody, who's it going to bite? It's going to bite Paul. But here's the old overarching thing that we don't understand. God allowed that stupid snake to bite him. He's the one that's sovereignly in control. He allowed it to happen. 
And the devil thinks he's going to destroy you, and God's saying, no, 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 no. You think. See, like, the, the devil is, he's on a leash. God's got him. He, he own, God owns him. He can't do it. I mean, like, he has to ask permission before he can do anything in the Bible from God. So now, God's going to allow that to happen, and God's going to develop. Listen, I'm telling you something here. Listen, students, to me. You can, listen, you guys. You had a great week, okay? But don't expect life to go easy because you love Jesus. Don't expect all of a sudden that the snake won't bite you anymore if you act right. It's not about you acting right and you acting wrong. For some of you, it doesn't matter how you act. You're going to get pummeled and pummeled and pummeled, and you'll keep getting up and you'll keep getting stronger. And God's going to use you in a mighty way because of that grit he's going to build in you. Because if that life is your life is easy, you will have no grit. You'll be spoiled rotten, and you'll be useless in the kingdom. It's just that simple. And I would say that, you know, I hear all of y'all around, y'all are all like, yeah, that's right, tell them, tell them, tell them. Telling you too, my friend. No matter how old you are, man, listen, life can be hard, and you have to understand this. God is developing your spiritual life through this stuff you're going through. He is building grit, spiritual grit inside of you. So don't think that it's always because you are being punished. God is in ultimate control. He loves you dearly, and he is developing you. When the local people saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to one another, this man, no doubt, (laughs) they know this, no doubt, he's a murderer. Even though he has escaped the sea, justice is capitalized because this was one of their gods they made up. Because we'll do that. If we don't understand God, we'll make up our own God. Because justice has not allowed him to live. Because that's the way they think. They think in, in our heart we want everything to be fair. Don't we? Yes. We, we want the bad, bad things happen to bad people and good things happen to good people. If that's so, then listen, there would be no good happening to anybody. The Bible says that, that, that none are good. Jesus said none are good. It's not about us being good. He's the only good one. It's only his righteousness. So it isn't God gives good things to good people and bad things to bad people. That's not the economy that works in the world that you're living in, my friend. Okay? So right here, that's what they're thinking. They have, they're thinking that that is the, that's what's happening. I just going to have to look over here to the side. <laughs> look at this. Here's what, now was, he, was he a murderer? No. Look at this. Here's what it says. And when the blood, this is, what, this is what Paul says, and when the blood of your witnesses, Stephen, was being shed, I stood there giving approval and guarding the clothes of those who killed him. So if he got there on the land that day and he said, man, they, he must be a murderer, there might have been something inside of the apostle Paul thinking, you know, by, by implication, I was. Okay? And then, hold on a second. Hold on. See, because sometimes it's so easy for people to say negative things about us and for us to come into agreement with that. We can look back at something and go, yeah, you know what, man, I am. If anybody deserves to have the snake hanging off the hand, it is me. You know, we, we, we can do that. And they're all right. Well, they're all, all they're saying about me, that's right. But look at what he says later. First Timothy. He said, I give thanks to Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me. Because he considered me faithful, appointing me to the ministry. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an arrogant man, 
but I received mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. This is a trustworthy saying deserving full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And I am the worst of them. Paul never said, I'm a good guy. He never said, man, you should, I am just a great, wonderful guy. He said, when you get all the sinners and you line them up, said, I am the worst of all of them. But I receive mercy for this reason, so that in me, the worst of them, Christ Jesus might demonstrate his extraordinary patience as an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life. It's kind of like, man, you think you're too bad to be saved? Apostle Paul said, I'm worse. I beat you in that. I, you know that what you come up with, I am worse than that. And Jesus not only saved me, but he called me to the ministry. So what are you going to do with that? So it's not about being good or bad. It's about being saved or lost. It's about being in Christ or not being in Christ. That's, that is what it all boils down to right there. So listen, i got good news for you this morning. If you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, I kind of feel like I believe in God. <laughs> That's the Holy Spirit. You didn't conjure that up in your own. That's God working in your heart. If you're sitting right here and you're like, you know, I just feel a little convicted about what I did this past week. That's good news. The Holy Spirit's inside of you working. But if you're sitting here this morning and you're like, man, I am a great person. God, is, he should be thankful he's got me on his side. And I am going to just bust heaven wide open when I leave this world. Then, friend, I got bad news for you. You need to be praying. Things aren't right between you and God. Things are right between you and yourself, and that's not always <clears throat> As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who, was, who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples that had been following him, listening to him teach every day. This is what they said. They asked, they asked why? Because that's what Malta, that's what the island, they want to know why Paul got bit by the snake. No, 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 hold on, see. Because sometimes when it happens, you want the why. And you're not always going to get the answer to that. Why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents? Because somebody had to do something wrong. I mean, this just is not fair. It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. If we could just understand that one verse, mercy on our hearts, then we'd see it's not about, we always have the cause and effect. This, is, this effect happened because of this. It's not always true. It's not always true in the Bible. See, like, some, of you, some of you, you have raised your kids, and you've got adult children that have lost their ever-loving mind, and you're totally blaming that on yourself. And I'm here to tell you today, it's not all your fault. Maybe it might be partially, I don't know, it may not be none of your fault. You know, we all have our own hearts and our own minds, and we, have to, we make our own decisions. You got that, right? And listen, you got to listen. Let's just back up and look at something logically here. You got two children growing up in the same family, the same parents, the same circumstances, and one goes nuts and one goes right. You want some good news this morning? I need some good news this morning. I don't know about you. I need some. This, this comes from the Old Testament. This is from David. You know David? The adulterer and murderer, okay? King David, that's the dude, all right? Here's what he said. 
He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. Thank the Lord for his unfailing love towards those who fear him. It is as great as, as the height from the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. How far is that? You can't measure that? That's how far he's removed it. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him, for he knows how weak we are. He remembers the worldly dust. Adam was formed from the dust. You feel weak today. And you feel like, man, I just, I, I just, I feel like I just can't get it together spiritually. Do you feel weak like that? Hey, I do too. I was laughing, telling them I was going through a, we had a camp, and I got in the, my truck in camp, and I coming home to our drive by myself, and I got mad, and I was mad all the way home, turned into a big baby on the way home. <laughs> and the next day, Melissa and I, we went walking and praying, and we got back, and we were talking about it and everything, and I was, I was telling Melissa, I said, you know, I'm, I just, I'm just so aggravated with myself because I'm just so dadgum weak. Let me tell you this today. If you sit in that seat and you look at me and you think I'm strong, I'm not. I'm just telling the truth. I'm not trying to be humble and I'm not trying to mess with your mind or anything like that. I just know that sometimes people sit in church and they look at the preacher and say, man, you're a preacher. You're different. No. <laughs> it's not. Not different. So if you're sitting here today and you're saying, man, I just, I really, 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 I've been trying. It's just, I just feel so weak. I got Lots of good news for you today. It's not about how hard you try. It's about how much you surrender. It's not about how strong you are. It's about how strong he is. But he shook the snake off into the fire, and he suffered no... <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know, man. I mean, he might, he might look at Luke and say, no, suffer no harm, brother. Look at these two holes in my hand, man. You know? I mean, I kind of got a little emotional stuff going on here, too. I don't know. Easy for Luke to say that. You understand the point. Because they, they expected, the people there in Malta, they expected that Paul would begin to swell up and, or suddenly drop dead. Now why? Because everybody that had seen that got bit by a venomous snake, this is what happened to them. Everybody. 100%. Everyone. So the expectation is, they just step back and they're just going to watch him die. They're all just standing there watching, you know, because that, that's what we do, Right? You can make that into a YouTube video and it'll go viral, right? <laughs> After they waited a long time and saw that nothing unusual happened to him, they changed their minds and they went from one extreme of heresy to the other extreme of heresy. They went from believing that, oh, he's, God's mad at him and God's punishing him. Oh, well, he is a God. One extreme to the next. This is what happens when you take the gospel out. This is what man naturally will do. We'll just swing from one extreme of heresy over to the other extreme of heresy. This is why we've got to have the gospel. This is why, listen, I'm looking around here in this room. There's a bunch of y'all that I don't know. I've, I've seen you before. I don't know where you came from, why you're here. Thank you for being here. But let me tell you something. If this is your only Sunday, you're coming to visit for a reason, for just whatever, the baptism, whatever, let me just throw some unsolicited advice your direction. <laughs> 
You need to go to a church that believes the Bible is the inerrant, authoritative word of God. That it ends, it begins and it ends with that, not with what the church believes or the preacher believes or anything else. That is it. When you get to that point, when you're in that church, then whenever somebody gets off in error or something like that, you can step back and go, hey, listen, this doesn't line up with the word of God. And you'll be good. You always want to go, don't look to a preacher or a church Look to the Word of God. Learn it. Study it. Memorize it. Now, in the area around that place was an estate belonging to the leading man of the island named Publius, who welcomed, okay, so it's not just Paul. Luke's involved here. He welcomed us and he entertained us. He was nice to us and he showed us hospitality for three days. Now, they end up staying on the island for three months, okay? His father was in bed suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went to him, praying and laying his hands on him. We don't really know what that means. We, we think we know what that means, but let me show you in just a minute. And he, now the Greek right here, when it says he healed him right here, aomie, that's an immediate healing right here. So when he, he laid his hands, he prayed, laid his hands, the guy was immediately healed right there. Boom, just happened immediately, okay? Now here's what I want to show you. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, go look this up. It's kind of interesting. It's talking about the elementary aspects of the faith, our faith in Christ Jesus. And here's what it says in verse 2. You don't need further instructions about baptisms because we're going to baptize here in a moment. You know what baptism is, is what what the writer is saying here. And the laying on of hands. doesn't say prayer. just says the laying on of hands. Like this is something that was common knowledge in the early church. There was something they were doing here that we don't understand today because it doesn't explicitly say it in the Bible. They understood it, but we don't know exactly what it meant. We lay hands on people and pray for them. That's good. We should do that. But there's something here that we have lost. And since the Bible doesn't explicitly say it, then we don't really know what they were doing. And the resurrection of the dead and the eternal judgment, we know all those things. So just wanted to add that in for something for you to pray about and think about and go read your Bible and study After this, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came to us, and they were therapeutic. Sounds like therapy, doesn't it? Now, makes me wonder if whenever the rest of them didn't come in, we've got Luke. Luke's a medical doctor. We got Paul doing, Paul, you know, Jesus healing that one with Paul immediately. And then we've got, looks like we've got, and and evidently, we've got Paul and Luke working together praying. Because here's the situation. It doesn't matter if somebody gets instantaneous healing or if somebody goes through a medical doctor and takes a long, long time. If they're healed, the only way a person's healed is because God healed them. It doesn't matter one way or the other. God's the one that ultimately does the healing. And it's interesting that Luke writing this uses two different words. And then he goes on. He says, so they heap many honors. I would expect them to say on Paul. But he says on us as if he was involved in something right here. And when we sell, they gave us what we needed. Okay, so let's go back to talking about those nasty snakes for a moment before we get out of here today, okay? Because the longer you allow sin to fasten itself to your soul, the more toxic you become. The more we sin, the more we develop the habit of sin. Every, this is what John Owen said. Every act of sin is a fruit of being weary of God. (laughs) That hurt my feelings, by the way. When I read that, I'm like, what? I'm not weary of God. But then I think about that thing. 
Adam and Eve, whenever Eve took the forbidden fruit, she was weary of having a perfect relationship with God, living in paradise. Does that, that blows my mind. But she was. Because, because the tempter came with, oh, you will have it better if you just give in to this temptation. So every time that you and I, listen, we say it all the time, if we choose to sin, we choose to suffer. We know that, right? We know long term, we will suffer if we choose that. But here's the situation that in my heart, at the root of my heart, is anytime I choose to sin, what's happening is, is there is a weariness in my relationship with God. Think about that. Oh, this is also what John Owen said. I kind of reworded it so we can understand a little bit better, but this was so good. You want something good this morning? This is good. Do you like God's grace in your life? I mean, like, are you sitting here this morning saying, man, I tell you what, if God's going to be giving out more grace, I'll take more grace. Good news, he is and he will. Look at this. The grace of God in your life increases through exercise. Oh, I was with you until you got that exercise part. How do I exercise? Prayer, Bible meditation, and obedience. To, be, to, to obey what God has laid before me. Look at this. 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in the grace and not grow in the grace. You see that? So you can have more grace applied to your life if you exercise the grace that God has already given you. If you just, if you don't really care about the grace of God, you're just like, oh, I just got it, so I don't, hey, doesn't really matter to me. Hey, listen, I just need enough grace to get me into heaven when I die. <laughs> don't understand that, first of all. And number two, well, I'll just leave it there. The grace of God and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Oh, I love that. That is so good. And here's what happens. Growing in grace develops your love for God. Because here's what I know. Here's what I know and I'm learning and, I'm, and God is just teaching me right here and right now as I stand before you. The more I love God, the more I hate sin. The more I fall in love with God, the more repulsive sin becomes in my life. But the less I love God, then the more I love sin. And the more I'm drawn to sin, the more that that flesh. See, the interesting thing is, is that whenever we're saved, now, the sin nature has lost its authority, it's lost its power, but it's still there. We can still choose it. It's no longer, it's no longer lording it. We don't have to sin anymore, but we can choose it. And when we choose and we get in, then we start forming that habit. And then it starts getting more and more control and power over our life because we choose to let it do that. Here's what Paul says. Especially because of the extraordinary revelations. Therefore, so that I would not exalt myself, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to torment me so that I would not exalt myself. Man, he says there was this, that God allowed this messenger of Satan to come into my life and to torment me. God allowed, are you hearing me, church? God allowed it to happen. Sent it to humble him. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times, I believe it's three seasons, that it would leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient. You want more grace? Do you want more grace? My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected. When you're weak, when you sit there and you go, man, I just tried and I tried and I tried. I'm so stinking weak. Remember, they, they, now you're getting in the place where God's power can move through in and through your life now. When you're not trying to do it in your own power. 
Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let's wrap it up with this. The temptation is what we must shake off, and it's indifference. So, what does indifference mean? It means whenever you just don't really care to pray. You don't really care to read your Bible. You don't really care to go to church. You go every once in a while and you just sit there and you just endure the whole thing and it just doesn't move you and you don't really care. That's what indifference is. We get to the point to where you just, you just don't care. It's a dangerous place for us to be. And here's, here's the warning this morning. That's the place your flesh will naturally take you. For the love of Christ compels us. That means it picks it up, picks us up, and it carries us somewhere we can't go in our own strength. The love of Christ, that's what I need. It compels us since we have reached this conclusion that one died for all. That's Jesus. One died for all, and therefore we all have died. What does that mean? I'm glad you asked. That means this that if I'm in Christ Jesus, then I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Amen. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That if Christ died and I'm in Christ, that means I am dead too. And he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves. Mm. If we could just get that. But for the one who died for them, and he was raised. We'll wrap this up real quick and fast in a hurry. Temptations, we gotta shake off. Indifference, discouragement, preaching to myself, that's mine right there. Doubt, fear, those walk hand in hand. Doubt is the opposite of faith. Anytime we've got those, man, we gotta shake that off. Anytime you see that hanging from your hand, something kind of interesting I thought of. So whenever that viper bit Paul on the hand, whenever Jesus was nailed to the cross, where did they nail him? Hmm. Interesting, isn't it? No temptation has come upon you except, oh, this is one of the most misquoted verses in the Bible, by the way. Glad you're here to hear this. Let's get this, that misquote straightened out, okay? No temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity, but God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. So the Bible never says, oh, God won't put more on you than you can handle. He will put more on you than you can handle. But he won't put more temptation beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way out so that you may be able to bear. You know the story of Joseph in the Old Testament? Potiphar's wife comes, grabs a hold of him, says, come lie with me. And he takes off running, and then she yanks his coat off, and he runs out of there. He had a way of escape to run out. He's a perfect illustration of God always gives you an out. Then the, then the total opposite of that is going to be King David. Whenever King David committed adultery with Bathsheba, God made plenty of, he should have been out fighting a battle with his, with his men. And he's there at home lounging around, taking it easy. What's in YouTube videos? Oh. <laughs> Eating, 
getting fat, taking it, looking over there and whoa, what's that? Got a house full of wives and women in here. Looks over there and sees one that's not his. And why on earth would he want the one that's not his? Why is it that, hey, can I tell you something? The grass is always greener over the septic tank, right? <laughs> so when you go looking over there, there's a reason why that's so green. There's a whole bunch of you know what under it there. It's going to get you in a mess. Therefore, submit to God. Submit to God. That's first, right? Sub, do you see that, church? Somebody say amen. amen. I see that. i got to submit to God because I, I can't resist the world, the flesh, the devil if I'm not first in love with Jesus. It just will not happen. I've got to submit to God, resist the devil. And look, it doesn't say he'll leave you alone. It says what? Let's all stand up, please. So this past week, um, to those of you who don't live in Martin's Mill, this is like one of the most competitive places on the face of the earth. So we, um, so they, they came in, um, all the students came in for our whole church get together and meet. So we divided up the boys and the girls and um, had them memorize Bible verses and to get up and kind of get in a little competition, the ones that could get up and quote the Bible verses. I was shocked how fast these students could memorize and articulate Bible verses, multiple Bible verses. I was just thinking, wow, wouldn't it be great to be young, you know? <laughs> I mean, when I got up there, I thought, okay, I'm just going to get them to just, part, just do a little, just a little one right there. Rejoice always, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. I put 17 and 18 in there thinking that I'll just get, just rejoice. That's easy. Two, two words. Every single one of them came up there and they had all the whole three verses. Just boom, boom, one after another, one after another, one after another, one after another. So why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because some of you standing in here right now, if I said, if let's just, If we all had to sit down and Jesus got up here in front of the room and he said, okay, you got to come by here and quote the Bible verses, you know. Is there some of you in here that you say, I don't have a single Bible verse memorized? Now, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I know right now you feel condemned and guilty if, you do, if that's you. No, no. Here's what I'm telling you. Anybody can memorize a Bible verse. Why do you need to memorize a Bible verse? Because it'll make you a better Christian? No. You need to memorize Bible verses. And here's what we were telling our students. The reason we want you memorizing Bible verses is because we want you to fall in love with Jesus. These are good promises from God that he's made to you, but you need to know these promises. You need to have these promises in your heart so that whenever you hit temptations and hard times, you remember the promise that God has made you. I mean, whenever, whenever the, the, the snake is hanging from Paul's hand and he shakes it back off the fire it came from, I mean, like, and he suffered no harm. Now, now maybe it did upset him, but he knows this much. God has already came to him and told him, you're going to get to Rome. It's necessary for you to be in. So he knows he's not going to die. 
Now, I know it makes for good, pre- good preaching. You know, you just shake it off in the fire and everything like that. But, you know, in reality, we're all not that strong. And the reason we're not all that strong is because we don't grab a hold of the promises and rely on his strength. We're trying to do it in our own strength. In our own strength, we'll cry and freak out and jump, and the snake will scare us to death. So we're, we're getting our students to memorize verses for that reason, to fall in love with Jesus. So whenever the hard times hit, they've got those promises, and they can apply those promises, and God can develop the grit in their lives. So there's no doubt, looking around this room, that every single one of you, a viper's come out of the fire at you at one point or another. And if you just happen to be in here and one has never came after you, it will. So this story right here, as we read this, for some of you, totally relating. Ship just got wrecked out, everything fell apart, and you thought, okay, Get a breather now, just to get turned around a bit by a snake. And I'm here to tell you today that when Paul got bit by the snake, it was the avenue that God used to save a bunch of people. So are you saved today? Are you in Christ? Have you been born again? To some of you right now, you're thinking, I think so. I'm not quite sure. Here's what, let me, let me tell you this. If you love the things God loves and you hate the things God hates, it's a good indication you're saved. If whenever you hit trials and hard times, if it, it develops your faith and instead of destroys it, that's a good sign that you're in Christ. When you hit hard times and you lean into Jesus, that's a good sign right there that there's really something genuine in your life. So we had, I see, I see a whole bunch of our students that went to camp, or some of the students, we had a bunch that went, I see them kind of scattered around over here, and you know, you see the, the vacation Bible school stuff up, and two back-to-back weeks of serious ministry to young people. So, before we went to camp, and during camp, a few, few of vipers jumped out of the fire at us, didn't they, Parker? <laughs> to be expected, though. So do you expect everything just to run smooth here, vacation Bible school week? Hey, Sean, can you blur out the camera for online? And just wave at me when you get it blurred out when nobody can see what we're about to do here. If you're watching online, should have been here. Here's what I want you to do. So if you raise your hand, here's what I can tell you. Just like all y'all back there at the back can't see me, nobody can see you either. So nobody even knows. All we know is that somebody needs to be prayed for. 
So if you're here this morning and you're like, you're relating to that to where one thing just happens after another and you feel comfortable doing this, you don't have to do it. But you just need someone to pray for you, just raise your hand. I know that this is like against every thing of who we are as a church. We don't like to raise our hands and be pointed out and stuff, and that's okay. But I just want to say, if somebody here this morning is like, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to, you just get to stand right there where you're at, and we're going to pray. So I'm going to give you five to nobody. Nobody, this whole church is like 250 people. One person needs prayer, two. There's okay, there goes a few more. And no, it's more than that. There we go. So God, right now, we just lift up those that raise their hands to you because they're in need. That was a demonstration of their need. God, you know their needs. You know their heart. God, we pray that you would comfort, that you would strengthen, that you would guide, that you would give them what they need and not what they want, O oh Lord. So we just hold them before you, O oh God, and we pray that today when they leave out of here, that they'll be strengthened in their relationship with you, O oh God, that their faith will be strengthened in your promises, that their faith will be strengthened in your goodness. God, we're thankful today that there is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. We're thankful today that you removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. That you deal with us like a father with loving kindness. We're so grateful, so thankful, oh God. That you give us grace and mercy instead of what we deserve. We're so grateful, so thankful for that, oh Lord. God, we pray for the 50-plus students that we took to student camp this past week. God, we pray that whatever you said to them and whatever they heard from you this past week, that your Holy Spirit will remind them of that today and tomorrow and every day ahead, that they will know your kingdom purpose in their generation, O oh God. God, we pray for vacation Bible school coming up this week. God, we pray that you will just move and stir in the hearts of the kids who will come to vacation Bible school and that you will energize all of those who will be working. Yes, we pray this in Jesus' name. You may be seated. We're going to have a baptism now. This is the first church I've ever been in where we, uh, it's kind of like a procession when we roll the baptistry out, you know, and it's kind of a, it's kind of an interesting thing to watch, kind of like a parade coming in here. Okay, so we need uh, Barrett's uh, parents to go to the back of the room. Barrett's parents. How do you pronounce that? Tansel. Tansel. Barrett Tansel. Maybe they've already went to the back. 
wonderful thing here is we see Jeff um, and Trey up here. Jeff's going to be leading in this baptism this morning. And, you know, one of the wonderful things about baptism is it is a beautiful demonstration of the death, burial, and resurrection. But let me remind you of something. Those of you who have been baptized before, it demonstrates your obedience to Christ and the death to your life, that you're dying to yourself, to your self-rule. And then when you die to your self-rule, that you're no longer the, the God of your own life, that you're buried in, in, in baptism with Christ and resurrected to a new life, a new life to where now Jesus is Lord and King of your life that he is your God, that he is your Savior. Your identity in Christ is holy now, every bit of who you are. What a wonderful thing. And you know, there's something mysterious that happens in this that we don't fully understand, something wonderful and mysterious, all at the same time of this wonderful demonstration of faith that we're about to see here. So, Jeff, I'm going to turn this over to you now, brother. I'm good now. Okay, thank you. Well, uh, thank you, everybody. So here we have the the Phillips family. We've got Jason, Misty, McKenzie, and Slate. Slate's been uh, coming to the bridge uh, for his home church. That's what you call it, right, buddy? Your home church, yeah. On uh, Wednesday nights, and and here uh, we went to preteen camp this year, and um, of course we talk about salvation and what it means to follow Jesus every single day, and. And at nighttime, on one of the evenings, he made a decision, an authentic decision to follow Jesus. And so we talked to his family, and they came to our kid faith class. And uh, the outcome of that is that he wanted to uh, be baptized. And uh, we discussed what that means. David just unpacked that for us. And so, um, Christian, if you could come down here. I want you to hold the mic while we do this, please. Um, Slate, look at me, buddy. Is it true that you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. All right, buddy. We're going to baptize you, okay? You ready? Okay. I baptize you in the name of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All right, guys. Well, thank you. very. You guys stick around. We'll get some pictures together. We thank you all so much for being here. And uh, I'll go ahead and say a quick prayer before we head out. And I think that's all we have for you today. Heavenly Father, we're just so grateful to be here today. What a day to just rejoice in. We're thankful for your son. We're thankful for everyone that's in here today. I pray that this is an encouragement to everyone here. Uh, Father, uh, just in the theme of our camp, I just pray that we as believers would go out into this world and be the salt and the light that you've asked us and charged us to be. We lift that up to you, and I pray for a hedge of protection around every family here. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.